Like I also feel like my imagination is not my imagination, right? Or like the ideas, the the creative ideas that I have don't necessarily belong to me, but they come to me. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Inside the Creative Process. I'm your host, Alicia Peterson-Baskell. Thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate your patience with me as I release these episodes on this very open and spacious schedule. As with any creative process, I have learned so much about myself through this podcasting journey and grown in my own confidence and value. I love it when you share with me your own creative breakthroughs and what ways you've been inspired by the artists I have on this show. Please keep letting me know. And if you are loving this podcast, I would be eternally grateful if you would rate it and review it. If you wanna take your creative journey even further, I'd love to support you with breath work. For me and many of my clients, breathwork is like a portal to the muse, taking you straight into that creative zone. It's a meditation and a clearing, and it gives us access to the wisdom of our bodies so that we can follow that thread of creativity without doubt and negative self-talk, but with a clear knowing that the question is the access point. I offer both group and private sessions and would love to guide you through a breathwork meditation that will ignite your imagination. You can sign up at the link in the show notes or visit me on Instagram at Alicia Peterson Baskell to learn more. Speaking of imagination, our guest today thrives in that space that occupies imagination, creativity, and spirituality. Suyuno Amos is a Hawaii-based performer whose background is in acting, dance, and theater. She studied dance at Bennington College before moving home to Oahu, where she was born and raised. She continues to explore various creative practices, dabbling in buto and clowning, while also deeply studying astrology and tarot. She now offers one-on-one dream work sessions to hold space for creativity to enliven through engaging with imaginary figures. I will go into more detail at the end of this podcast, but I had the great pleasure of experiencing a dream tending session with Sue, you know, and I will highly, highly recommend it. So without further ado, please welcome Sue, you know, Amos. Hello, Sue, you know. Hi. Hi, Alicia. <laughs> Welcome today. I'm so happy to have you here on the podcast to have this conversation about creativity. Mm, yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited to talk about creativity. I've known you just in little you know, windows, mm-hmm. literally windows over Zoom and Instagram. I've just been pulled into your world. <laughs> And that's just a peak, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. really excited to get to have a conversation about how things unfold for you, because that's my great passion is the creative process. You are so multidimensional. I want to ask you this question to get us started. How do you describe yourself as a creative person? That's a great question. I think At this point in my life, I think of myself as really living my life creatively. Like I think of myself as an artist and my life is the art. There are so many moments throughout my day that I feel like are creative moments or that I I get the kind of joy and excitement and exploration that I would if I were like in a studio specifically working on a creative process. And I think that at this point in my life too, my creative life is very much connected to my spiritual life as well. And so those, yeah, those aspects have just been 
kind of becoming more and more woven together. I'm going to read a quote of yours back to you. You say, my curiosity leads me to get tangled up in the places where spirituality and imaginative storytelling, the boundaries between them come into question and start to blur. Mm. I think very recently, like that blurring the lines between um, spirituality and, and creative imagination, I'm very interested in like the gap of understanding between things. I think as a dancer, that's partly like what, what draws me to the body as a medium is because it's like, it speaks in a language that we're remembering that is not immediately logical or immediately understood. And so, yeah, I think that there's this thread of like, just being very intrigued by the things that are unseen, like how do I reach for something that I can't see what I'm reaching for? I think my creativity like really just gets juiced up in that kind of engagement. Yeah. The more you're blurring those lines between spirituality and, you know, what we're calling creativity, is there even a line? Mm, Yeah. Well, I think maybe for me personally, there's sort of this tension around, Like I am an artist and I identify as an artist, but like all of my favorite art is the stuff that happens in, in life. Usually like, I love the performances that happen in dance classes. That's like really only the people in that class get to witness that spur of the moment performance. And it's not something that's like produced and staged for a bunch of people to see. And so I'm always noticing those moments in life that is like, wow, this is a really beautiful performance. Mm -hmm. And I think that yeah, there maybe there could be clear divisions between like, this is a spiritual ceremony or this is like a performance that I'm putting on for people. And I think, it, you know, both of those things definitely would be structured differently because they have different intentions maybe. But, but it's like, yeah, crafting and creating those spiritual ceremonial ritual practices feels very much alive in my creative practice right now. Yes, you're speaking my language as you're talking about seeing and allowing what you're seeing to be the art, to be the performance, to be the moment, to be the thing. I remember one particular time when this all arose and we finished and I just went, you guys, how are we the only ones who just saw that? And like this sort of emotional like sadness in a way, like Mm -hmm. this, like this kind of split feeling of just that joy of knowing that you just witnessed a complete, like the completion of something Mm -hmm. that was a wholeness, the wholeness of something. And simultaneously the sadness that it probably won't ever happen again like that. And you will be the only one to have witnessed it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, yeah, that's a real tragedy. Like I feel the tragic feeling of that moment. And I think that's also why I feel pretty strongly that it actually is so important, maybe like even, I don't know, practically useful or at at least deeply mm, enlivening or healing for like everyone to be involved in some kind of creative process or engaging in some kind of creative process. Because like, yeah, that experience happens all the time. And especially people who are performers know that there are so many performances that happen during the rehearsal process that will never be the same as the performances that actually get seen by the audience. And sometimes your best performance comes out in rehearsals. And it's just like, oh, why couldn't I recreate that for the audience to see? And yeah, I think that's why I really wish everyone was engaging in a creative process. So maybe more people could experience those, those things that are not meant to be seen by a wider audience. Like, you know, those, those performances that we receive, it's like, maybe they were meant just for us to receive. Maybe there's some healing in that process. That's why the process is so important and so useful and has so much potency in it is, yeah, being engaged in that process is where you receive whatever are the benefits of making art. Yeah, I love that. I I agree. I wish more people would 
engage in that creative process that they're being drawn toward. I believe we all feel that somewhere. And sometimes we put our foot down and say, oh, no, I've got to do X, Y, and Z before I can allow myself, you know, that free time or creativity or play. It's just often not at the top of people's priority where Mm -hmm. to me, it's like number one, it just has to be there. It has to be a part of my daily life. Even if it's kind of like what you're saying, even if it's witnessing life in that way, Mm -hmm. because there are going to be times when it's not possible to engage in a specifically creative process. Mm -hmm. Can you keep that way of seeing life Mm -hmm. and keep that alive. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting question. Like, I feel like that's, there's a question here that like you could marinate in for an entire lifetime of like, what are the circumstances that provide the most flourishing and nourishment for creativity? You know, like what is the environment that sets up the circumstances that are like the prime conditions for nourishing creativity? Because there are like things in life that that it's hard to be an artist because, you know, you really do have to carve out that space. And it, it does take like a committed dedication over time. I've, I've been doing some energy healing work recently where it kind of came to my consciousness of like, oh yeah, my ancestors in whatever their paths of life, fleeing war or whatever are are kind of have this energy of like survival. And we're, when you're in that survival mode, it's hard to feel like it's a worthwhile or like you even have the capacity to engage creatively or imaginatively in life. Yeah, and that's, that's a tension I think I felt maybe throughout my time so far as an artist is like this question of like, I feel like I get so much from being in a creative process. And then like 2020 hits and throws that all into question for me. Like, I'm like, how is this useful? Like this just doesn't feel practically useful and helpful in the way that I'm wanting to like be able to make an offering to the world right now in this moment. And, you know, I think that's, maybe many artists kind of deal with that kind of questioning or conundrum of like, I don't know. It's hard to, I think it's hard to explain. Like if you think about trying to get support or trying to get funding for your work, it's hard to explain like the value of art and art making in a really tangible way. But then I always think about, imagine if the majority of people were creating or were making art in some form like it just I always think about like how would you be able to go to war from that place right because when you're in the creative process it is actually like for one thing there's like all of these life barriers maybe in like capitalism or whatever that blocks us from like being able to like really prioritize art in the way that we want to. And then also I feel like when you're in a creative process, it is, it can be very like all consuming. Like it, it can like sort of just take over, like your whole life becomes part of that process. But yeah, but that's just something I always think about too, is like, you know, how could, if everybody was like spending more time being creative, like it, it would be, it would be hard, I think, to be like, I want to go fight someone or I want to go hurt someone. You know, I think it's kind of a a cheesy thought maybe, but I really, I always think about that. I'm like, how could you, how could you be making, you can't go to war and be making art at the same time, unless you're like playing, you know, unless you're like play (laughs) fighting as a performance of war or something, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And that takes me to what I, one of the big things that attracted me to asking you to come on this podcast is the process that you did with a group of artists in Hawaii, two-day plays. Can you tell me about this project? Because it just sounded so so fun to be a part of, but also inspiring around the subject matter that you were working with. Mm, yeah. I mean, that was something that really um, just kind of came together pretty synchronistically, miraculously. So that was 
a collaboration with my older sister. She's very interested in, we're actually both very interested in storytelling. I'm realizing now in adulthood, you know, and she did a PhD in creative writing at the university of Hawaii and, and was writing about how um, media and stories kind of create this cultural narrative around Hawaii and produce this kind of like touristic vision of Hawaii that often gets, you know, marketed out in the world. And um, so she's always very interested in that. And she's, you know, in that process, she looked at all kinds of local writers and local playwrights and compared those kinds of story making with things like Hawaii Five-0. And that's very much like on her mind of things she's interested in. And then I am very much a performer and in the theater community here. And on Oahu, the theater community is pretty small. Most of the theaters here are producing like Broadway shows or whatever. And then there are very few people who are actually making like new original work which is great. And there are like really brilliant works that come have come out of that canon. And then also at the same time, I think my sister and I both share this feeling of like being a little bit tired of the same, seeing the same playwrights all the time and, and um, wanting to just nourish something different. So actually I think she and I were working in our garden, you know, it was one of the rare times I got her to come help me do some weeding in our family garden and as we were weeding, I was telling her about some play that I had seen um, the night before and the conversation I was having with my friend about the play and all of these things that we were like, I don't know, kind of frustrated about it or like wished it were different or things like that. And then that just sparked this whole conversation with my sister about like, yeah, I wish there were all these different kinds of stories. And so that really was the moment when this idea got born or seeded, I guess. <laughs> the theme of the festival was futures where we figure it out. Right now in the world, there are so many dystopic stories of the future that you can find. I think this idea actually even came from someone my sister works with too, that this this woman that my sister works with was noticing in her kids, like, the stories or the media that they were consuming was all very dystopic futures and just being so tired of that imagination and wanting a future where we figure it out, you know, where things are actually maybe kind of okay, specifically in the context of Hawaii too. And so my sister and I both worked on some prompts, some writing prompts, and we really just threw it together. I had never done a 48 hour or a 24 hour play or film festival before. I had never even participated in one. We sent out invitations to local writers and performers that we knew, and they could fill out their interests and pick the prompts that they were interested in and the roles they were interested in. I put out the call on Instagram, as you saw, and I was impressed by how many people were interested and showed up. I mean, my sister and I both knew pretty much everyone. I think there was one person that we both didn't know who actually did it. So I was able to kind of group people into different teams based on, oh, these people have a little bit of experience I know in writing. These people have no experience in writing and kind of pairing people up in that way a little bit. But there were a lot of people who didn't have a lot of experience in theater or performing or writing. And that was a really cool aspect of it for me. And then we just like rented out a space and threw people in there for, for two days. The first day was writing. The second day was, you know, putting it on its feet and getting directors and actors in the space and then performing by the end of the day. Wow. So when you guys came together, that was it like a Saturday and a Sunday? Yeah. So like that Saturday morning, people had considered the prompts. Had people done any writing ahead of time? No, I don't think anybody no. did any writing ahead of time because I think the writing groups were like, I think both, so there were two teams and I think both teams had four people um, as their writers. And, you know, it was like people had different um, capacities for engagement. Like some people were only going to be there half the day. Others were like there the whole day and then into the next day, even <laughs> it was, I mean, both of the teams also had very different processes. Um, depending on their personalities, I think, which was interesting to see. And it was our first time doing anything like that, like I said. So yeah, um, yeah, it was a great big experiment. So did those processes just unfold for, for each of these 
two teams. Yeah. I mean, we had kind of tried to set up the intention that like the first day would just be about writing and the writers had a deadline of 10 PM to send their scripts to the directors and the actors. And then one team did that and one team just didn't do that. And they (laughs) didn't even have an outline done by the the end of the first day. And we were all panicking. And then the next day they all came together. And then that turned into a more, what do I want to say? Almost more of a devised process kind of, because then it was like the writer then came back on the second day when the director and the actors were there and they all kind of, it seemed to me from what I could see, were just like working together to really craft the story forward. And so that was a kind of different process than the other team, which was like the writers sat and wrote for the whole day and then passed it off to the director and actors. I love that. Those such two distinct processes, but that both work yeah, and we're coming from the way that these artists we're working their best, right? Because I think I would be, the devised process would be really fun for me as a, as a dance artist and theater artist and to be making in that moment. But that's a hard one to, to feel totally safe with, right? Because you don't know yeah. that it's going to produce anything. And what were your expectations in terms of final product? Did you have expectations? I think that's something actually I've still been wanting to reflect on with my sister because I don't know that I really had expectations about the final product. It's interesting. Like I think when we were planning this, I had more thoughts around the process piece because I was like, oh, like there's so many, like there's the way aware the writers just write and then they pass it off. But then there's also like devised performance and like, how could we, could we structure an option for people to choose what kind of process they want to be in? And then it just felt too complicated. And so we sticked with the structure of writing and then passing off. And then they ended up making their own process anyway, by breaking our rules, you know, which is so cool. (laughs) Great. I think maybe my sense is that my sister might've had more expectations around the product. I feel like maybe her intention was to actually try and get something created that could be produced, like a new story, like really, really wanting, being invested in the prompts that we created and kind of wanting to see those stories get told and made. Then through the process of doing it, I think we realized like, okay, we're giving up our expectations around the product because this just isn't a structure. Like then it's a reflection moment for us to be like, okay, if we were to do this again and we did want to have like a real product by the end that like could then go and be a produced show or whatever, that takes a, it kind of requires a different structure than two days. You know, it requires maybe like a couple months of workshopping. Did you have an audience come and watch what was made yeah, yeah, yeah. I we had actually a big turnout in terms of audience. I was again pleasantly surprised. It was cool to see everybody kind of at some point in the day working at the edges of their familiarity and and kind of stretching themselves a little bit and learning a lot. I think people really learned a lot. Like one of the pieces, you know, the director had this idea to have the audience kind of moving along with the scene as it went, which I think was a very interesting idea that could have worked if it were just workshopped a little bit more, had a little bit more time. But, you know, in in the performance, that was the first time they actually were trying that out as it was happening. And so I think the director in that moment was like, kind of like, oh, realizing like, uh, this maybe isn't coming out the way I had intended it to or thought that it would work. It felt like the process was continuing throughout the performance. Yeah. I'm sure the audience just loved that, right? Because they were privy to the whole process. They knew that these pieces were made in two days. And to be a witness of what comes forth from that and also recognizing that like my responsibility as an audience member becomes greater. Yeah. And if if I need to follow along as the director is and try something out for the director. Ooh, you know, and like now I'm more engaged and like, I'm kind of more of a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard 
I've, I'm sure I just got feedback from the people who are like close to me and my friends anyway, but I heard from people like, oh, I really loved that aspect of moving around as the audience member, or I really love the theme, you know? So maybe if we did it again, we would think about continuing with that theme or actually the cutest comment I feel like I received from somebody that I knew was like that they were really excited. I think because it was so, I don't know, like garage theater, like it was so casually thrown together. And that was kind of the energy that I wanted it to have. Like I'm always about the DIY feeling in art and performance. And so I think that was part of it. Like, yeah, just seeing all of these people who kind of are, are beginners at what they're doing, like get up there and give it a shot. Like there was somebody in the audience who had shared with me, like, I felt like, oh, oh, like I want to do that. Like I could do that. I could do some of those things, you know? And that was really cool for me too. Is that like, yeah, I think seeing people making art at kind of like in a lower stakes kind of setting or environment is really encouraging for people to just start making. Like you don't have to, I don't know, have a certain training or have a certain platform to start making. It sounds like it really sparked a lot of people. Have you noticed any, like any kind of offshoots coming from it? Even just like rumblings of creativity from some of the people who participated? I mean, I haven't noticed in terms of tracking people since the event. After the event, I know like the one person who we didn't really know very well who came in to act, she had said like, oh, wow, I learned a lot, you know, and another person who was a writer was like, that was great. Like I never would have done something like that. So I'm sure, I mean, I, I'm sure that there's some kind of rumblings that came yeah. during those I mean, days. Of, yeah, of course. That's why I asked the question because I can just see how that kind of energy could permeate into, you know, people's lives and people's ideas of what they can do. Like you said, you know, people who didn't ever see themselves doing something like that can project themselves into that. Yeah. What might they try? I don't know. That mm -hmm. sounds really amazing. Yeah. Which for me, again, like I wish more people were doing creative stuff, right? I wish more people were engaged in that. So that was like a very cool, successful part of it to me. Yeah. I was just going to use that word success. It sounded like mm. it was really successful in terms of your vision for creativity and art. I think that's amazing. Mm, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm not remembering the name of the piece, but it was a piece that you videoed, but it looked like you had different audience members coming in at different times oh, and yeah. it's in a room and there was somebody outside oh, yeah. and there was paper. It looked really intimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm very, I'm so touched that you are, are touching on <laughs> this piece. Yeah. That was actually something I made in 2020. I believe a lot of those performances were happening in 2020 and they were in my apartment. And so it was very intimate. And I think intimacy is, you know, a theme of my work and, and the things that I, I like to make. And so I would have, I would invite people over we were in, in the thick of COVID at the time. And so I was thinking about like a show for one and had people sit outside on my like patio. And so there was like a sliding glass door between us because I was inside in my bedroom. It was a very improvisational piece. You know, there were some landing points I had throughout the piece. And part of it was about, yeah, engaging through the sliding glass door and having the audience kind of write in real time their reflections or responses or questions on pieces of paper and then like tape them up onto the sliding glass door for me to read and respond to in real time. I feel like that piece is a really great example of the very intimate and very DIY nature of, of my work. And it seemed as though it had a lot of, a lot of different products, <laughs> products. I don't know if that's the right word. A lot of different performances, mm -hmm. you know, different audience members. But then in addition to that, the video that, you know, then I can see several, mm -hmm. several years later that tells pieces of each of these stories and lets me observe. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not the one necessarily interacting with it. Mm -hmm. You use a video monitor, you know, so there's time I'm looking at the TV, watching you do it. 
watching you interact with the person outside mm. on the patio and also imagining the person with the camera and what that person might be doing. Mm. Yeah, I found it really interesting, really, di- really multidimensional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's great to hear. I mean, because I feel like you have material and then you can kind of just for the rest of your life be working with that same material over and over again, you know, and I feel like what you're sharing is a great example of that where it's like, yeah, I would be interested to actually go back and check out that footage again and be thinking a little bit more intentionally or consciously about playing with all of those different elements that are happening in the video. Yeah. And then there's writing. I mean, you had, there was so much writing happening too. So there's that element to it. I could take some time and read some of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also looked at a piece, you did the poetry in this particular piece. I think it was 2021 was in a, this was much more, this was less DIY. This looked more like it was in a gallery with other Oh, artists yes. potentially. And you may have been in the video as a dancer, but distorted. Yes. And this was like, it was very dark and yes, very dark, dark colors. Yes. I don't know if that piece actually had a title. That was a collaboration um, with my friend Robin. I'm actually looking on my website right now. <laughs> yeah, it is entitled. Yeah. So that was an installation that we did at the Arts at Mark's Garage here in Honolulu, downtown. And that was actually like, it was, that was a beautiful, very collaborative process. I feel like I was sort of um, just holding the space for that process to unfold and like very lucky, very lucky for how it came together. I mean, so Robin and I danced together and we had made a duet, I think a few years prior to that. And so it was just another moment in time where we happened to be living in the same place for a period. And wanted to dance together again. And we're trying some things at the same time. My friend Kim does a lot of video work and has a drone that she wanted to play with getting drone footage of us dancing. So we went to these different locations on, I think it was mostly on the North shore of Oahu and got drone footage of ourselves dancing together. And then Robin took that footage and played with the saturation and the colors and editing it and yeah. And we created this kind of reel of that video and then brought it into the space. And I had all of this poetry that I had written and we found these like, yeah, plexiglass things for me to write the poetry on and then project the video onto that plexiglass with the poetry over it. And there was actually even somebody else who was, you know, worked for that space or more involved with that space who actually was very part of the process of putting that whole at least the physical pieces in the space together and figuring out where things went and how things would be projected. Like I, we wouldn't have made it without her help too. So it was like, yeah, it was a very collaborative process. And I really feel like, yeah, I I contributed my, my dancing one day and I contributed my words and just sort of like the rest of the time was kind of like holding the space for it to come together. But I'm, yeah, I'm definitely becoming more aware especially looking back kind of now over the past few years of my work, uh, how prevalent words are in my dancing and and words are always a thing that come up in, in the work that I make. I love words too. You know, they can sort of like really land at, and point at something that's different mm-hmm. from what movement can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, Maybe part of what's interesting to it to me is like I said before, the language of the body is such a different kind of language. So I think it's fun to be working in that medium, but also bring in words that are part of this language that is expected to be easily understood or readily understood and surprise that expectation where it's like, actually the words that I'm sharing it's not clear how they're explicitly attached to the movement that's happening, or there's some space for imagining beyond yeah. that. It reminds me of what you were saying when you were talking about that gap, you know, when those two things exist, then there's this space in between mm. that the person's imagination can travel through. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's an invitation for the audience to actually be a part of the process, like in, in witnessing or viewing or whatever, however they're seeing my work, there is always that the gap allows that invitation. You in seeing it are so very necessary in creating what it is because you fill in that gap for yourself, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it is this, like, even in the product or the showing, I'm still inviting people into process. I love that. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) There's one more thing that I wanted to ask you about. You do integration sessions with dream work and movement. And I'm just curious what one of these sessions is like and how this work has inspired your own creativity. Mm, Yeah, I really could talk about this for so long. (laughs) So over the past couple of years, I've been studying in and training in a specific practice called dream tending, which was developed by Dr. Steven Eisenstadt out of Pacifica Graduate Institute. I'll just explain a little bit of like how it is different from maybe what people would expect when you talk about dream work, because it's really not interpretive and it's not about analyzing what this dream means, but it is a practice of engaging with the figures that visit in dreams as if they are their own beings that you can come into relationship with and develop relationship with in the same way you would with any relationship. So there are some subtle but huge perspective shifts in this practice where it's no longer a question of what does this mean? But that switches to who is visiting now? Why is this happening? Switches to what is happening here, right? So these kind of very subtle shifts that open up, it's a perspective shift where suddenly, and this is where the spiritual part comes in for me. It's like, I, the individual, am not the person creating the dream, although you could see it that way. It's like the dream is its own being that comes to me, right? And so again, the 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 intermingling of spirituality and creativity and imagination for me is like, I also feel like my imagination is not my imagination, right? Or like the ideas, the, the creative ideas that I have don't necessarily belong to me but they come to me. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a basic explanation of the shift of, of dream tending. And I think that when you think about working with dreams in that way, you can see how it becomes a much more creative process. For one thing, like the dreaming mind, like the brain that's dreaming is it's the same parts of the brain that do imagination. It's the same parts of the brain that do when your mind is wandering, when you're daydreaming, like that's the same part of your brain that is active when you're dreaming. So that is, you know, part of the brain that's attributed to imagination. It's really like enlivening these dream figures and imagining forward beyond Mm. the dream. What is the relationship that comes next? Like, really going back into the dream in an embodied way. And so that's what I do in my work is we'll take a dream and move through it and really slow the pace down to feel into the embodied sense of the dream more. And in that process, right, when you're slowed down and you're embodied and you're really sensing, you can collect so much more information and the whole thing just becomes even more vivid and vibrant. And then from that place, that body place, then imagining forward, what is the conversation that comes next? What is the next thing that was just about to be said right before I woke up from this dream? And then it offers continually all of these actual practices that you can do in your waking life to tend that relationship with that dream figure, right? Maybe the dream figure offers a very subtle gesture in the dream that you don't notice until you drop into the dream in that really embodied sensing data collecting kind of like mode. And then you notice like, oh, there's this gesture or there's this gesture that my body does as I'm talking about the dream, you know, like 
in dream tending, there's a saying that I love that is the body is always dreaming. And so, yeah, we go through this really slow process of just listening in and, and, you know, not worrying about, well, what does this mean to me? How is this related to me? Why is this happening to me? But getting much more curious about, yeah, who is here? What is happening? How is this happening in this moment? And from noticing those things, it can offer something to continue exploring in waking life, right? So say there's this dream figure that offers a gesture or even just a color, right? And then in waking life to continue that relationship, engaging with that gesture or engaging with that color in your waking life and seeing what else comes forward, engaging the figure imaginatively again. And I think like a lot of people have maybe feel doubtful about it because perhaps in a spiritual way, they're like, well, if I'm just, am I just making it up? You know, like, am I just like, this is no longer the dream anymore. This is just my imagination making it up. But again, it's like your brain doing imagination is the same part of your brain that's doing the dreaming and (laughs) you making it up. It doesn't, it's not from you anyway, actually. Yeah. And that's not frivolous. Like you making it up is not, like you said, it's not coming from you anyway. There is so much value in that, that I think people miss, mm-hmm. you know, when they think, oh, it's, that's, that's just my imagination. Oh, that's just, I'm just making that up. That's oh, that, that connection. That must've been just, I'm just reading something into that. It's like, no, no. Mm. <laughs> if you felt there was something there, yes, follow mm-hmm. that, go with that, trust it. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, that's also where my creative background comes in and the creative process, because Mm -hmm. it's like, I'll get a creative impulse and I've learned, right? Like some people maybe make in a way where they like have a plan and they just like set out doing the parts of the plan. And then there's another way of making that I'm have become more trained in. That's like, oh, maybe you just have an idea and you don't, really know, again, you don't know where it comes from necessarily. You don't know how it fits into what's already here necessarily. But instead of saying like, um, I don't know where this came from. I don't know how this fits. Forget about it. What if you explored it? What if you tried it out next to things? You know, what if you, that there's a sense of mm, what I'm making right? Again, is not necessarily mine, but it's its own being in the same kind of mode of dream tending is like, it's its own being with its own desire. And what is the desire of the work, right? Similar to what is the desire of the dream? Yeah. Ooh, I'm mm-hmm. really excited. You know, I've wanted to, to do one of your sessions, but I, for a long time, couldn't remember my dreams. Um, right. But actually there's, there've been a few dreams recently that I've that have had a relationship to one another, mm. that I've, you know, that something about the way they feel or the space that they're in has, has a similarity. And I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I think this sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's definitely a phenomenon with dreams where, you know, dreams come and present something and, if you don't pay attention to it, or if it maybe just doesn't register for whatever reason, like the dream will find another way to present mm-hmm. that perspective. Like let's let's try showing this from a slightly different angle or with mm-hmm. a slightly different situation. And it's but it's the same thing that's kind of being offered. That's you know? so interesting. Yeah. And does it matter how far away that dream is? Um, from the time of the session, how do we enter back into it? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something actually I was thinking about very recently. That's like actually thrilling about working with dreams is because the waking life experience of time can very easily, you can just very easily lose time, you know, and you can work with a dream from many years ago and if it's still having having resonance in your body, right? The body is always dreaming. Yeah, that dream can still have potency 
for your life in the current moment. Um, even though it was from many years ago, like there's always, yeah, it just, it's, I would say like, it just feels like time doesn't really matter when you're working with dreams and what will happen, right? Like say I were to work with someone's dream that was from many years ago, and maybe you don't remember it as clearly as you would, if it was a dream from yesterday or a week ago, that's the moment where, you know, maybe people will tend to feel like, oh, maybe I'm not really remembering it correctly. Like maybe I'm just making this part up, Mm -hmm. but it's like this surrendering and allowing for the imagination to come in and fill those gaps and carry it forward. So we're getting kind of to the end of our time together, sadly, but is there anything else that you'd want to share to people who are engaging with the creative process or want to be more often engaging with the creative process? Mm, Any thoughts? question. Well, you know, I think maybe I'll say this just because also I need to say this for myself so often is like, make it easy. I feel like I do this in my work, but it's always worth reminding, like, again, like it doesn't really matter who sees it, how many people see it. I mean, of course, if that's what you want, go for it. But I've been playing recently with like letting myself be satisfied with the little four line poem that I decided to scribble in the morning, you know, like let me be satisfied with that piece of art for today. Let me be satisfied with the really good joke that kind of just like came out of me when I was hanging out with my friend and how hard we laughed at that. Like, let me be satisfied with that performance. Yeah, I think it can be easy and and just commit to some kind of regular practice because say I'm trying to have a daily practice, right? And maybe my creative moment for today was that joke with that friend. But if my mind is tracked to be on this daily practice, then I can look at that moment and reflect on it in a creative way. And then the process continues forward. You know, I'm like, oh, what was funny about that moment? Why did that work so well? You know, and then it's, it's there, it's valid, you know? I I love that. That's so, that gives so much permission to people to view, view life differently, you know, to view their lives as holding so much space for their creativity and their art. That's really wonderful. Sue, you know, thank you so much. How can listeners follow you, get a hold of you? Thank you. The best way to follow me right now is probably on Instagram at wander.sense is my Instagram handle. And you can follow me there. I also have in my bio on Instagram, I have links to those integration sessions that you mentioned. And then if you want to check out my website, which I will be updating after this conversation, it's suyuno, T-S-U-Y-U-N-O dot squarespace.com. That's awesome. And I'll include all those links in the show notes so people can just click on those spaces. Thank Thank you you so much. much. This is so great. Such an inspiring conversation. Here are my takeaways. Number one. Notice the creative moments that occur throughout your day. Think of yourself as the artist and your life as the art. Number two, when you reach for something that you can't quite understand what you're reaching for, this is a place where creativity thrives. Number three, there are so many great performances that happen during the rehearsal process that will never be seen by a wider audience. This is both a tragedy and a gift. Number four, keep asking, what are the circumstances that provide flourishing and nourishment for my creativity? Number five, when there is a DIY feeling to the art, it can open space for people to see themselves doing and making. Number six, make it easy. Let yourself be satisfied with whatever creative moments appear in your everyday. Number seven, the creative ideas that I have don't necessarily belong to me, but they come to me. Number eight, when we as artists create work that surprises the expectation of understanding, 
we create a gap that becomes an invitation for the audience to be a vital part of our process by filling in that gap. Number nine, create a daily practice that allows you to look at life's moments from a creative perspective. And number 10, and possibly my very favorite, imagine if the majority of people were creating and in the process of creating, how could people go to war? This last one really makes me feel grounded in my mission to inspire people to unlock their creativity, to trust that nudge from the inside that is asking for expression. I do want to mention that I had a dream tending session with Suyuno following our interview, and it was one of the most fun and inspiring experiences I've ever had. I brought with me moments from dreams that felt interesting, and we spent two hours wandering through vivid spaces in my mind, following colorful figures, watching and listening to the parts of my dream that had always been there but had gone unnoticed or were sort of blurry. One figure in particular has stuck with me and continues to intrigue me and support me. I would highly recommend a session with Suyuno for so many reasons, but not the least of them being that your dreams can be creative springboards for what's next in your creative process. Thank you to Suyuno Amos for sharing her imagination and creativity with us. Go follow her on Instagram at wander.sense and please visit her website, suyuno.squarespace.com where you can find photos and videos of her work. And thank you all for listening. I realize more and more that this podcast is my calling. And I'm thrilled that so many of you are taking the time to listen and are enjoying it and feeling inspired by it. And again, sharing your inspiration and your takeaways with me. I so appreciate that. I will see you soon. And in the meantime, go see performances and artwork and get creative yourself. Until next time.